Good morning. This is where we've been waiting to get to, right? Had ABC, LMNOP, now we're ready for XYZ. Uh, if you didn't hear the first message and you have no idea what I'm talking about, please go to the podcast and listen to the first two sermons if you missed any of them because this, unlike a lot of the sermon series, this one really builds on it. There are some things I'm going to say today that will make sense, but they'll make a whole lot more sense if you heard the first two sermons. So if you missed either one of them, Go to the podcast. Those are up and get that, okay? Because today we're, we're talking about power. The first, the first week we talked about salvation power, and it, it, when you became a Christian, the power of God started working in your life then. It, ha- it hasn't just started today. It started then. But what we do a lot of times is we forget about it. We kind of ignore it. It kind of you know, goes in the back of our mind or whatever about how awesome that is. And last week we talked about the power of God is, is, is for us but it's for us to reach others as well. And so don't forget that. Here, here, little, little thought to throw in here for you is that the more we let the power of God be focused on us, the less effective it's going to be. The more we let it focus through us on others, the more effective then it's even going to be in our life and touching us. And we're going to see that even more so. Last week we talked about others. Now we're going to really talk about ourselves and about how God's going to use that. Okay, so we're going to do a little survey of the Bible in, in, uh, in the next few minutes. Okay, so let's have a word of prayer. And, um, and let's, let's believe God to start really, really changing our lives. Father, I love you and thank you, God, for your spirit. I thank you for your presence. I thank you, God, for God for the callings that you give. Thank you for salvation. I thank you, God, for the, the power of salvation that has made me able to become the Son of God, Lord, and it's for, that's for everybody. I thank you, God, for the power, God, that you work through us to reach and touch and help others. And God, I thank you for the power that has been so evident in my life as I look back and remember. God, I just I ask you for somebody else. I, I want every every member of my church family, God. I want every brother, every sister. God, if there's somebody here that's not a member of the 2911 church family, I want them also. I want us all living in it, not, not visiting the power of God, not experiencing the power of God at times, but I want us living in it, God. I want, I want everyone to experience what the power of God can truly be in their, in their everyday life, 24-7, 365, God, I pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. I really Really, more than any, any message in a long time, I really want you to get this today. I really want you to get this. I want you to allow God to really start moving in your life. And uh, I want us to begin uh, with just a little bit. It'll remind us a little bit back to the first sermon, but uh, we didn't use this first sermon. It'll remind us a little thing there. But I want us to begin with four scriptures that hopefully are familiar to you, okay? First Chronicles 29.11 is the first one, right? We know that one, or somewhat, right? Or you knew it was, knew it was there, right? It says, yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory, and the majesty. If you ever have one of those days that, that maybe you just, uh, you know, you're just struggling, or maybe the power of God is kind of waning in your life a little bit, this is a great, just that first part of that scripture, just to remind yourself who he is. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory, and the majesty. Everything in the heavens, everything on earth is yours, O Lord. And this is your kingdom. We adore you as the one who is over all things. That this is who he is. But don't forget, remember that first sermon? Is salvation power has enabled us to become the sons and the daughters of God. This is who our Father is. <laughs> That's what this is saying. This is why this is so amazing. Is this is who our Father is. Okay. 
Do you know who Baron Trump is? Anybody? You know? Okay, that last name. Give you, uh, there you go, Landon. Landon knows. If y'all don't know, see Landon or Google it, okay? But Baron Trump, okay, he, he's, he's the, the, the president's son, all right? And you know what? When he goes to the White House, he's not shy about walking in, you know, sitting down wherever he wants to. You know, I would be kind of uh, overawed a little bit, you know, if I went in the White House, you know, being on my best behavior, worried about every little thing. Not Baron Trump. He doesn't have to be. Why? Because his dad is the president. And since he's the president, what does that mean for Baron? That mean Baron, means Baron lives in the White House. That's, so you see, you and I, we're not supposed to be shy or backward or, or worried about the power of God. We ought to embrace it. We, since we're children of this, this person right here, Right, since we're children of this person described in First Chronicles twenty nine eleven, since we're that person, we should be living in the power of God, just like Baron Trump lives in the White House. We should make no apologies. Okay, so so here's what we need to do: is then we need to stop walking around like we're lost, stop talking like we're defeated. We need to stop praying like we have no hope, and we need to stop planning like we don't have any expectation. Because that's what, that's what a lot of us are doing. It's like, it's like we, we walk around in our daily life like we don't know what, what is going to happen. I mean, I hear that. I don't know what's going to happen next. I don't know what's going to happen. We need to stop walking around like, like we're lost. Like we, and I, you know, I don't know what's, what's going to happen next. And we, we talk like we're defeated. It's already handled. And, and you know, that, uh, it, that the enemy's already won. We talk like we're defeated. We need to quit doing it. If, if this is who, I'm sorry. Previous slide. If that's who our God is, First Chronicles twenty nine eleven. If that's who our Father is, you know what we're supposed to do? We ought to be walking around like we know exactly who we are. That's my Father. That's my Dad. I I, I live in His power. I rejoice in His power. I am part of His. We need we need to start talking like that. That all the victory, every one of them has already been won. Jesus has put the enemies under His feet. You know, my big brother Jesus. You know, because that's that's who He is. You know. He's the son of God, that he's done all that. Then we need to start walking around like we know exactly who we are. We need to talk like we know every victory has already been won. We need to pray with all the hope in the universe, and we need to plan everything that we do with an expectation that God is going to show up and make us victorious in everything. Can somebody say amen? amen. We, need to, we need to be doing that because that's who he is. Okay, 2 Chronicles 29.11 is our next scripture, you know. 2911 scriptures. My sons, do not neglect your duties any longer. The Lord has chosen you to stand in his presence, to minister to him, and to lead the people in worship and present offerings to him. All right? Uh, this, this word neglect means like, you know, sometimes we begin, just like I was talking about salvation in that first sermon, we begin to kind of forget things. Like we start not ignoring on purpose, but we kind of ignore it because we just kind of forget. Okay? So here we're reminded don't ignore, don't forget, don't neglect the fact that you have been chosen chosen. Okay, we've been made into sons and daughters of God. We've been given that privilege, that right, if we've accepted Christ, right? So you ever heard what people have said about adopted kids? You know, if you have kids that you birthed, that you brought into this world, you know, you, you have to love them. I mean, that's kind of the rule, right? Doesn't matter how ugly they are, you still have to love them, right? Because they're probably ugly because of, they take after you or your spouse, right? 
You have to love them. You have to love them no matter how ornery they are, no matter how hard and tough that is, right? You have to love them no matter how mean they are to the, your other kids. You got to love them no matter how much trouble they give you. You got to love them no matter how moody they are and all of that. So you, just, you have to love them. That's kind of the rule if you gave birth to them. But you're adopted kids. You know what? That's what they say. You don't have to love them. You chose them. You chose to do something in your life that put you in a place where you could adopt those children. You chose to have more children in your life. And you know, that's what God did. Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son of God. That's what John chapter 3, verse 16 reminds us of, right? He's the only begotten Son. So all the rest of us are what? We were chosen. We weren't, God doesn't love us because he has to. He chose to love us. Don't forget that. You've been chosen to be in a special place with him. You've been chosen to do that. Okay, so then, so then next, Psalm 2911. And this will probably come back up a little later in the, in the sermon, so I'm going to hurry right here. The Lord gives his people strength, and the Lord blesses them with peace. Two quick things. Whatever problems you've got in your life, God gives you the strength. And, you, you know, you might need strength for this or strength for that or strength for that. He gives us that strength. So whatever you're battling, whatever enemy you face, whatever, whatever struggle you've got, God gives us strength, and he gives us the peace to hang on until that enemy is defeated. All right? And then Jeremiah 29, 11, and this is NLT, so, so um, I, I don't have this memorized this way, so let me read it with you. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Now, Again, here's another place that it's easy to neglect or ignore or begin to forget because the more you, you, know, you read something or quote something, you kind of lose some of what it really means there. Well, uh, I've been building this sermon for quite a while, you know, well over a month. But this week, something kind of new kind of came out of this to me. I, I don't think I've ever thought about it this way. You know, because of this, you know what this also tells me? This tells me that with God... There are no accidents, there, there are no coincidences, there is no luck, but with God, there is always a plan. You know, and I think what some of you need to do this morning is you need to be a little bit like, uh, like David. You remember where David said, uh, hey, hey, soul, listen, wake up, wake up, and bless the Lord. You, come on, soul, wake up and bless the Lord. Don't forget his many benefits. That's what some of you need to do today because you're going through big struggles. You're going through some tough things, and, and you're wondering how it's going to turn out. You need to say, hey, wake up here because with God, there is always a plan. He's got a plan for my today, and he's got a plan for my tomorrow. And whatever I face tomorrow, God has got to wake yourself up and say, God has a plan for this. Okay, so here's what I want to do in the rest of this message. I want to, I want to do everything I can to build your faith in this. I want you to start having more and more faith in God. How does that happen? Well, in the Bible Project, if you, I, I hope you've been reading with us. If you haven't been, yesterday we, we started 1 Corinthians, so today would be a great time to jump in. You don't have to catch up one day to, to jump in with us. But if you've been reading in the Bible Project, you know, one of the things you read there is, and look, I, I go through these times where I'll study a, a book of the Bible here and I'll bump over here to one or something, or maybe I'll, I'll study all of the, the Gospels or something. And, but this has been awesome. These are, these are awesome times where we read the Bible all the way straight through because then we see this whole big picture. And, and we remember all these different times and all the, these times of uh, things that happened. And, and, and if you're reading that, it's, it, it's probably building your faith where you know it because the Word of God tells us that's where we get more faith is by reading or hearing the Word of God, the good news, the gospel. That's where we, we get more faith. And so you need that. And, and, and if you haven't been reading with us, you're going to have to 
to a little bit, take my word for it, but I hope you won't completely take my word for it. You should go to the scriptures on the Sunday's page that we're going to read in a moment. Click on them and see them for yourself, okay? But take, take my word for it for just a moment if you have to. Because, and, and the Bible Project has been leading us through this. We've gone through the Bible that we're seeing all these things. So I, I want to I take some time here for just a moment, and I want to I I really try to build your faith. Here, first of all, one of the other things about the Bible Project, just a few weeks ago, I really appreciated one of the videos, videos are all tied into this too, really awesome, really awesome project, but one of the videos is talking about the power of God, and it reminded us that the power of God did not show up for the first time in the second chapter of the fifth book of the Second Testament of the Bible. Now, think about that. You got this Bible, you know, timeline and all this, and you get, it's over here in this Testament, and it's over here in the fifth book, and it's over here in the second chapter. That's not when the power of God was created, developed, or showed up for the first time. But it actually, we see it for the very first time mentioned in the very first book of the Bible, in the first chapter, in the second verse, where it says that the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Now, if I had time to preach a little message right here, and I'm going to throw this at you, you could just chew on it later for your own benefit, okay? It is that... Is, is that the, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void. That's, that's what it says right here before you get to this, this part of, of verse 2. And the earth was without form and void, but the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. What was he doing? Or, or that, that Hebrew word there is like brooding, like he was brooding, or he was thinking about what he's going to do. Oh, so, so think about that. In your situation, however bad it is, no matter what, it may look just like you know, in spirit, it may look like what, what the Bible says this, this world looked like is that your life is just like a big glob and a mess. But even if it is, just remember that the Spirit of God is hovering over your mess, brooding, and thinking about what he wants to do. We're going to get back to that in just a, in just a little bit, okay? But that God is already thinking about what he's going to do. Now, in Genesis chapter 12, I'm, I want to throw this one at you real quick, okay? And actually, uh, I, noticed, uh, I noticed that our Scripture reference is wrong. This is, it, it didn't change there on the slide, right? It's Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. And, and there we have the story of Abraham. And this is the calling where he, he was called Abram at first. And this is the calling where God called him and said, I want you to get out of your, your homeland. I want you to leave your father's house. I've got a land I want to give you to your descendants. I'm going to make you such a great nation. And, and, and here's the thing. You say, okay, well, that doesn't sound like a big power of God. Okay, here's what I want to do for, for the rest of this message is I don't want to talk to you about those big, huge miracles. You know, the, I, I call them singular miracles, you know, where this one thing happened, boom, and everybody's like, wow, amazing. Because a lot of times I think we look at those and, and we say, well, I can never have enough faith to be Noah, you know, and, and believe God's going to send a flood and build a big boat and everybody laughing at me. And I don't think I have that much faith. Or, or I, I don't know that I've got enough faith to, you know, get five little stones and get a slingshot and go down and face a giant warrior. You know, I don't know I could be that faithful like David was. And, and so we see those things, and those are almost too big and too lofty to us. And you know what? Those aren't even my focus today. Because I'm not talking about like visiting the power of God and seeing a singular miracle here or there, something really big that just blows everybody's mind away. What I'm talking about is I'm talking about living in the power of God. Because the power of God is not something that happens just here and there, once or the power of God is always there, like the Spirit of God brooding over your life, just waiting, just looking for an opportunity, thinking about what He's going to do next in your life. And in this, and in this instance with Abraham, you know, you may look and say, "Well, there's not a lot of power there." Oh, yes, there is. 
Somebody, somebody just tell me, where is Israel today? Where is the nation of Israel today? You know where it is? Exactly where God says, Abram, I'm going to give you a land. I'm going to take you there. I'm going to show it to you, and I'm going to give it to you. And for now, thousands of years, Israel has been in and out, back and forth. They've failed God. They've been back with God. But where are they at today? They are exactly where God promised them they would be thousands of years ago. And that, that, that nation that God said was going to come out, of the, the estimates today are somewhere between 14 and 15 million Jews in this world right now today. That's his nation. This, this man named Abram that was so old, he thought he was, was too past you know, being able to give birth. And his, and his wife was past being able to give birth and to have a son. And God has given him a nation of, in every single, if they are a Jew, if they're a Hebrew, Every single one of them came from Abram. This is what God does. And, 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 and it, you know, it may not look like a miracle when you first look at it until you see how God's power all these years, thousands of years, has been working in this family and working and that has now become a great nation and God has been doing that. And God wants to do that in our lives as well. Uh, Real quickly, if I can, just tell you about Elijah. And, and I, boy, I could tell you a lot of exciting miracles about Elijah, but I want to tell you about one that almost looks like, well, well where's the big deal? He said this was when there was a famine, uh, there was a, an actual drought in the land. And uh, for three years, there'd been no rain. And then uh, Elijah goes to prayer. And he, and he prays. And the scripture right here before you, uh, it's up there. And, and instead of taking time to read it, let me tell you the story. And you can go to the Sunday's page, click on the link, and read all of it, all of it there. And Elijah, he, he goes to pray. He says he gets with his face down between his knees, and, and he prays. And he tells his servant, he says, go out and look, see if there are any rain clouds yet. And he goes out and comes back and says, no. And so he prays again. He says, go out and look again. And he comes back and says, no. This happens seven times until finally the seventh time the servant said, there is a cloud about the size of a man's hand out there. Now, I've always wondered about that. Was it really that big? How could they see it if it was just that big? Or if he was saying, you know, it's like that. You know, I, I don't know, but it was like it was so small. You know, and, and if it was just that small, everybody else probably would have even missed it being in the sky. But who saw it? Who saw it? The one who was looking because of one who was praying. Those two things there. Did you get that? About praying and looking. How much are we going to miss then when God is ready to do something in our lives if we aren't praying and looking? And praying and looking. And praying and looking. And listen, if you, if, if you think that means just getting on your face, you know, put your head between your knees and pray. If you think that's not what it's talking about, just not that kind of praying. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about just praying constantly, being in constant communication with God and talking to him and, and just waiting for him to talk back. And, and yeah, you, you get interrupted all day by other people, but you just stay in that constant communication with God. And then God can show you what he wants to do in your life. Okay, which leads us into a story from Elisha. And this is in 2 Kings chapter 6. Here, here's a little story here. The Israelites, they, they had, their enemy at this time was Aram. And, and the king of Aram, he kept trying to defeat them. And what he would do is he would get an idea of where Israel was coming, their, their army was coming, and he would set an ambush, ambush for them. And, and he did that, and then the next day, Israel went a different way. They didn't come that way. And so he set up another ambush, and it happened again. And this happened several times until finally the king of Aram, he, he got mad, and he said, okay, who is the traitor among us that is telling Israel's king and Israel's generals where we're going to ambush them, and they keep going the other way, a different way? And so his leaders, they said, oh, king, it's not any of us. It's Elisha. Read right here. Elisha, the prophet in Israel, tells the king of Israel, even the words you speak 
king of Aram, in the privacy of your bedroom. He's saying that Elisha is hearing the things that you whisper to your wife even in your bedroom. Okay, I, that's weird, isn't it? Isn't that weird in some way? But here's what I want you to get out of it, okay? Here's what I want you to get. God knows what problems you have tomorrow. The ones that are coming. The ones that aren't here yet. The ones that you don't know about yet. God knows those problems. He knows the battles you're going to have tomorrow. Not just the battles you've got today. He knows where your enemy is planning your demise. He knows where your next battle is going to be. And God can prepare you today for what is going to happen tomorrow. But you know what we do, don't we, right? What do we do? We don't start praying really seriously until we see the problem. We get in battle and now all of a sudden, oh, we got to have some help here. And so we're praying about things that are now happening. But what if we could start really just paying attention to God, pray and watch, pray and watch, pray and watch like Elijah was doing. What if we could do that so then God could tell us today what to do about tomorrow so that God would prepare us today in case there was a financial need tomorrow so that God prepare, could prepare us today in case the, uh, a family around us was going to have a need tomorrow. What, what if we could do that? We can do that because our God knows what our problem is going to be tomorrow and he can tell us what to do and even what to pray today. I can tell you there have been a lot of times in my life I was praying seriously and I didn't even know about what yet. You know, and, and sometimes the next day something would happen you know, but it's like God just kind of settled it all down right there because we had been praying and we've been, and then sometimes I pray and you know what? Nothing ever showed up. And I've, I've wondered when that would happen. If because God had prepared me, we prayed and God, as he was brooding over the face of my waters, you know, then he said, I want to do this thing. And he was just ready. As soon as I was praying, we were all together and it just happened. It just went away. God can prepare you today for what your problem is tomorrow. So that you don't have to wait till the problem is here before you start before you start praying over it, okay? And then Jesus, Jesus. So let's go to the New Testament, okay? So Jesus, he uh, he walked in the power of the Spirit. I think sometimes we don't we don't remember that, realize that, but he did. He did all those things like I talked about last week. Yes, he healed people. Yes, he he took power over over demonic forces and powers of the enemy. But he also healed. He also blessed people, and he also just fed people. And those are some of those like. Not big singular miracles, but just everyday miracles that are happening in their lives. And Jesus did that. Skip that next slide for me, Tommy, and go on to the next one. Let me show you just a couple things that Jesus did in the book of Luke. Go on to the ne next. Yes, right here. Luke 19 and Luke chapter 22. These, these are two instances, really in, in, in time-wise, they're just a few days apart. Very, very similar. Let's read this real quick, okay? Uh, Jesus wanted to come into Jerusalem on a little colt so he could, so he could fulfill a scripture that was written about him. He said, go into that village over there, he told them. As you enter it, you will see a young donkey tied there that no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. Okay, and then just... Uh, couple chapters or so down. This is just a few days later. It was the Passover, and uh, they were going to eat the Passover together. And his disciples said, well, where do you want us to prepare to eat the Passover at? And so Jesus said, as soon as you enter Jerusalem, a man carrying a pitcher of water will meet you. Follow him. At the house he enters, say to the owner, the teacher asks, where's the guest room where I can get, eat the Passover meal with my disciples? Okay. Does that sound like a miracle to you? Does that, that sound like much power to you? Don't just sounds a little weird, doesn't, does, doesn't it? It doesn't really sound like a miracle, but just think about it for a moment, okay? 
Think about it for just a moment. That for some reason I say, you know what? We need a donkey. I got to have a donkey right here for something. You know, and, and, you know, and I, t- I tell one of you, I say, hey, I want you to go up to Fultondale. And as you're going into the city limits of Fultondale, look, and there's going to be a donkey tied to a tree. Bring it back here. Now you're going to think the pastor's crazy, aren't you? And then you're going to get up there and you're going to see a donkey tied to a tree and you're going to say, whoa. Right? Think about, think about what's going on here. And then just, just a few days later, uh, you know, I say, hey, we need to have a prayer gathering. You know, the prayer team needs to get together. I need a place for it. Uh, maybe up, uh, up in Warrior. And I send one of you say, hey, go to Warrior. When, you, when you're coming into the city limits of Warrior, you, a man's going to meet you carrying some water. And when you meet him, find out where he's going and, and, say, and ask, and he will let us have that meeting that is there. Now, it doesn't sound very strange maybe in the Bible, but when you put it in our day right here, right now, and you think, pastor's sending me up, and said, a man's carrying water and warrior, and I'm supposed to, yeah, then you get up, that you're thinking again, pastor's, he's lost, you know, he's off his noodle, you know, something's wrong here, and you get up there, and there's a man, and probably, you know, he's carrying a case of Dasani or something, right, uh, in, in these days, and you see that, and you say, okay, here, here's what I want you to get, is that God doesn't just know what your problems are going to be tomorrow, he also has your answers already figured out. If you need a colt, a donkey, if you need, if you need a place, if, or whatever it is, you, you know, the things that they were needing, he already had that. God doesn't just know what your problems are going to be tomorrow. He's got your solutions figured out. He's already got it handled. He, I mean, God is looking into the future. God is looking in other places that you and I can't even be, and he is seeing things and setting things up ready for you and I, those kinds of miracles to just happen happen in our lives. Okay, let me, so let me take you to Paul now. I love, I love that Paul, thank God Paul is in the New Testament. And, and a lot of the New Testament is about Paul's life. And I, th- I really thank God about that because if it wasn't for Paul, we might think that the power of God was just for a few Old Testament prophets, Jesus, and the disciples. But Paul who used to be called Saul. He used to use that Hebrew name Saul, but then because he had so many people out chasing him, he went to his Greek name Paul. You know, and when he got saved, he changed his name to Paul. Paul, when Jesus died, Paul was anti-Jesus. He was, he was doing everything he could to stop Jesus. I, I mean, in the book of Acts, the first thing we find out about Paul is, is he, was, he was involved in, in hauling, hauling Christians away to prison, breaking up homes, you know, take, taking women away from their children to put them in prison because they were Christians. That's, that's who he was. And so to see that Paul is one that was working in the power of God, living in this power of God, tells me, I mean, exactly what this scripture right here says, Acts chapter 2, verse 38 and 39, is that it's for everybody. It's not just for Jesus and a few disciples and a few, and a few uh, uh, Old Testament prophets. It's, it's, it's for Paul. It's for the guy who was fighting Israel. It's, uh, it's the, for the guy that was fighting against, uh, against Jesus. It's, it's for, who, for who? Those people all the way back to the first sermon. Those who have been given the power to become the sons of God and the daughters of God. Those who have, who have gotten saved. Those who have accepted Jesus Christ. That, that first power is not all, that there's also this power of God that, that is happening throughout, throughout all the scriptures. That power is for me and you as well. And again, let's not focus on the big ones. Let me show you a couple, let me show you just a little one right here. This, it's not really a little one, but it kind of looks like it is at first. Acts chapter 23, Paul, he begins to make some enemies in, in, in the Jewish community because they don't like him preaching Jesus. 
And so they, they get him and they start hauling him off from, from, to this judge, to this judge, to this court, to this court, trying to find somebody who will find him guilty. And, and then God speaks to him and says, be encouraged, Paul. Just as you have been a witness to me here in Jerusalem, you must preach the good news in Rome as well. Doesn't sound like a big deal, does it? Doesn't sound like, but, but here's the thing that, that, that he got to, and, and sometimes, you know, we don't really understand what some, sometimes God may speak to something to us, and we say, well, how do, I, I, I know that really had some significance, but I don't know what it is yet. Hang on to it. Don't let it go. Don't ignore it. Back to 2 Chronicles 29, 11, Don't ignore it. Don't let it go away. Hang on to it because it's, pro, it's probably going to mean something to you somewhere down the road. And, and then he ends up, and I'm going to come back to that, okay, explain. Then he ends up on a ship, headed to Rome finally, and the ship is in a big storm, and all hope is lost. Everyone knows they're about to get, the ship is about to be destroyed. They're all about to be in the ocean trying to swim in the middle of, this, uh, middle of this great big storm, and everybody thinks we're all going to die. And the night before the shipwreck actually happens, Paul says, an angel stood by my side last night and said, don't be afraid, Paul, for you will surely stand trial before Caesar. Okay, now that sounds like a bad thing, right? Stand trial before Caesar. But put it in context. Here's what was happening. They were carrying him around all these kangaroo courts, kind of trying to get him found guilty. And so what he did is he appealed to Caesar. He wanted to go stand before Caesar because he, he, he knew his case would be heard right there. And so this was a good thing because they were, they were going to kill him. They were, they were going to ambush him back there. And so this was a good thing. But here's the other thing. If, if you were reading the Bible Project with us, you know this. You saw this. Is Paul never just went somewhere and defended himself. He was always there telling somebody about Jesus. And what he was going to get to do is when he stood in Caesar's court to answer his charges, he was going to get to preach to Caesar about Jesus Christ. This was what was being said here. So, so, so here's, here's all this. It doesn't sound like a big deal here until you realize all these things that are going on around him. Is that, is, that, is that when Paul realized now twice he's been told, you are going to Rome. You know what that meant? That meant no posse in this world would be able to hang him from a tree or stone him with stones. They could not kill him because God said, you're going to Rome. It didn't matter. He had to get on three different ships to get to Rome. And it didn't matter how many ships he had to get on. It didn't matter how many of them sunk in a, in, in a storm. He could not drown in that storm. Why? Because God said, you got to go to Rome. He knew that. And then when, they, when he, uh, uh, they shipwrecked and he had to swim to shore on the island and, and uh, he was gathering some sticks for a fire and, and said a poisonous snake latched onto his hand. And, and, and I've always lo loved this, you know. He said that he just shook him off in the fire. And you know why he was so casual about it, just shaking him off in the fire? Because God had told him. He had heard from God. He had direction, and he knew what his life was about. He knew about purpose, and he said, there is no snake, there is no storm, there is no lynch mob that can destroy me until I fulfill what God says I am going to do, and i got to go stand before Caesar and tell him about Jesus Christ. Oh, man, so you... Amen. That is the kind of living life, everyday miracle that you and I can have is to hear God speak to us and give us direction. Um, real quick, so I can just wrap this up. I think next is my first Corinthians scripture, right? Yes. Let me go ahead and read this to you because this is, this is what Paul wrote also. 
okay? And it's like he's, he's in the middle of writing this, writing this letter to the church at Corinth. And God impressed him. I want you to tell him about the gifts of the, these, these gifts of the Spirit. And I, I, I don't think that these are exhaustive or these are every one of them, but it's just a reminder, just a help for us to see all of these things. Look, look at what he says. He says, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another. And to someone else, the one Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles, and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern, to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. Here, here's the whole point right here. God wants us praying powerful prayers and touching people in a powerful way. And so what he has done is he has done everything necessary, everything needed to impact this world so that they can know Jesus Christ, and then he's entrusted it to us. He's done it all. That's from the second, that's from the second sermon of this series. He's done all these things. Where is God? He's in me. Where is God? He's in you. He's in you, and he has, he's done every single thing. He's given us all these gifts we just read about. He, he, he's done all these, and it's not just, those are the big things, but you know, those are the kind of things that we're going to pray for other people. Those aren't really for us. Just like the disciples. Think about those, those disciples. How many miracles did Jesus do for the disciples? How many? You know, I can only think of three. And I don't have time to tell you about this. I can only think of three, all right? Three miracles that he did for the disciples. But you know why? You know, it's like those singular wow miracles. You know why? Because they were living with the miracle. They were walking every day arm in arm with the healing power of God in the Son of God. I mean, we don't have one single story of, G of one of the disciples getting sick and Jesus laying his hands on and healing him. Three years and nobody gets sick? Nobody gets a cold? You know, nothing? Maybe it happened and they just didn't write it down. But we don't have one single story of where Jesus ever healed one of his disciples. Maybe it's because they never got sick. Maybe it's because, you know, that maybe there's just a couple of times that we see Jesus meeting a financial need. But the rest of the time, for three years, that it never had to happen. Why is that? Because, you know, it, these are the guys. And I, I think, you know, what happens, I think in a lot of times in Christianity, you can kind of split people in two groups. Those who are always needing prayer and those who are praying the prayers. And you know what I want to be? I don't want to be the ones needing prayer. <laughs> I want to be the ones praying the prayers. I want to be the one, one of the ones walking arm in arm with the healing power of God. I want to be one of the ones that, that's got him living in my house. I want to be one of those. I don't want to be the one. I, you know, I want to be the one that everybody comes to me because, man, you seem to have it all. God really is blessed. Yeah, that's what I want to be. I want to be the one that everybody looks at me and says, how in the world has God, do you have so many blessings of God in your life? What is happening with you? I want to be that person. That's the one I want to, I don't want to be the ones always looking for somebody to pray for me. Now listen, I'm not saying I don't want you to ever ask me to pray for you again. I want you to, but you know what I want even more than that? I want you to tell me your praise reports. I want you, I want you to, uh, you know, I, I want you to tell me when you need me to pray for you. But even more than that, I want you to tell me, Pastor, we had a problem this week, but we went to God in prayer and let God just settled it all down like you said he did for you in that sermon the other day. 
Or that, or that, you know, Pastor, we, we, we had something happen to us this week, but you know what? God had spoken to us. He, he had stirred in our spirit that something was coming, and we started praying. And before it even got there, we had been praying about it for several days. And you know what? We handled it really easy because we were ready for it. That's what I really want to hear because I want my church family. Come on. I want you walking in power. I don't want you visiting the power of God. I don't want you dabbling in it. I don't, want to, 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 I don't want us to, you know, because I see so many Christians, they're trying to go from one miracle, trying to hang on till I get to another miracle. No, man, you're supposed to, you're supposed to be, living. we need to quit walking around like we're lost. We don't know when the next miracle is coming. We need to quit talking like we're defeated. We need to quit praying like we have no hope. And we need, we need to quit planning like we don't have any expectations. So we need to start walking like we know exactly who our God is. And that means I know who I am. And we need to start talking like we know that our next victory is already here. And it's already, it's already with us. It's not coming. It's already here. And we need to start praying with all the hope in the, in the universe, and we need to start planning with all the expectancy in the universe that God is already taking care of every single problem that we have today or we will have tomorrow. He's already got my answer. That's what I want for you. That's what I want for you. I, I, don't, I, I don't want you anymore living like we, you know, paycheck to paycheck. I don't want you living spiritual paycheck to spiritual paycheck. I want you living in his abundance every single day, full of the power and the authority of God, living it, living it. Can I ask you to do me a favor? If you'll stand and join us at the front. If you're a first-time attender, let me just tell you, we like to close around front with a final prayer and a final song. And uh, if you feel comfortable, we'd love to have you join us here for that. We won't do anything weird. We just, I got one, I got one, last, little, one last little thing I want to share with you and a little bit of a testimony real quick. And then we'll pray and sing a final song and be dismissed. You guys all know the drill, right? Come to the front and take a couple more steps this way. So what am I going to do one Sunday when, when you all just go ahead and do a couple extra steps without me asking? I don't know. We'll figure it out, won't we? Prayer team standing here waiting to pray with you. You, you. you need to realize this, that these people on the prayer team, because they have a heart for prayer, so they've already been praying about this service. And Thursday night, I met with the prayer team where they had their meeting. I went over and was part of that meeting, and I shared with them about this service also. So they are extra ready today to pray with you. If you want to really see the power of God, not come in and out of your life, but just settle down. So you can live in the power of God. And come let us pray with you. Come let a prayer team member pray with you. So because let me tell you, let me, let, me draw, let me draw the picture for you real quick, if I can right here. The difference in being prayed for and being one of those people who prays because you're living it. You're living it. You know, see these, these, these people that, you know, if, if you're always looking for somebody to pray for you, then you've always got a problem. But it seems like those people that are praying, it seems like, almost seems like they don't ever have any problems. Now they do, but it almost seems like they don't. It's just because God is just always, or let me tell you the difference for those who are living it, okay? Here's what happens. is one day they wake up and they're 57 years old. I'm 57 years old, okay, so I'm giving you a little bit of testimony here, all right? 
One day they wake up and they're 57 years old and they start looking around them. They start looking back. And they start, they start looking on Facebook. They start seeing some of their old friends that they grew up with. Or they start seeing the people that are coming to their church. And the people that maybe they, they used to even go to church with. People who live in the power of God. They wake up at 57 and they start looking back and they say, God, how? Because me and my wife, we got married really young. She had to finish raising me. We had a whole lot of problems. We had a lot of fights. There was a lot of times that she was right and I was wrong and I didn't know it. And we had a lot of fights. Money was scarce. I don't even know if you call it scarce. I mean, we had a lot of those times. And a lot of the people I grew up with have ended up with a busted up marriage in divorce for a lot less problems than we, Dave and I have had in our years together. And how in the world are we still together? except for the miracle-working power of God every single day. Not living miracle to miracle, but living in it. That's, that's, that's right. let, me tell you, let me tell you what's different about people who live in it. Is they, they wake up, you know, kind of at the end of, a, end of a year one time, they look around, they say, well, well wait a minute. Do you realize? Now, this, this is a little bit of David's testimony instead of mine. She's the one who brought this to my attention. She said, do you realize... This is just a few years ago. You realize, and listen, in case you don't know, unless you got a TV show and sell a lot of books, you don't make a lot of money in ministry, okay? Um, and David said, do you realize that this year we have put a roof on this house, we have replaced an HVAC unit, and we have bought a van? And other than borrowing the money for the van, didn't go in debt for a single thing. And she's like, how did that happen? And uh, I don't have any answer except because of the power of God. Right. Not miracle. God, there wasn't a box of money that fell out of the sky the day we needed to get a new air conditioning unit. You know? But it was those life, life miracles, day after day after day. It was just there. The provision was just there. Uh, let, let, me, let me tell you about how, what's different about people who live in the power of God is one day they start looking back and they say, God, thank you that I never bailed one of my children out of jail. That I never dropped one of them off at a drug rehab unit. They're not perfect because they were not raised by perfect people. We weren't perfect Thank God. How did that happen? Not because we're perfect. How did that happen? Just because of the miracle working everyday power of God. I want you to be able to just look back one day and say, I, you know, because that's what happens to you when you live in that, is you forget. Don't neglect 2 Chronicles 29, 11. Don't neglect. Don't forget. You are so stinking blessed. Don't forget. Look back. See it. It's there. He's taking care. You're here. You're alive. Some of you ought to be dead. Come on, amen? You ought to be dead. You ought to be divorced. Not just your kids in rehab. You ought to be in rehab. You ought to be in drug. You ought to be under something. I mean, that's where we would be if it wasn't for God. That's what happens because of living in the power of God. I want that for you. And if you don't have that, maybe you're looking and saying, oh, we have had a lot of problems. Change it today. Turn it back around today. And if you've never known Christ as your Savior, let it happen right now. And this is how it can really happen. This is easy. Word of God says all you got to do 
is believe Jesus is exactly who he said he is. He's the son of God that died for your sins and raised on the third day so that you could have eternal life with him. Just believe that in your heart. Now tell somebody. You can tell me. You can leave me a note in the, in the offering bag. You can text me or something. Tell somebody. But all you have to do to be saved is believe in your heart that Jesus is exactly who he said he is and start living a life of power. Living it. Living it.